Despite what beautiful, glossy social media and advertisers would have us believe, making it through life's challenges is not summed up in five easy steps. And we don't find peace in the storms of life from a handbag, face cream, or the latest sneakers. Life is challenging. And sometimes life is stage four metastatic cancer challenging. So how do we make it through all that life throws at us? Hi, I'm Jane Chalon, and I have had the privilege, honor, and blessing of working with cancer patients since 2011 as the palliative care chaplain at Yale New Haven Hospital. As I have listened to patients over the years process their living, dying, healing, and not healing, I have been struck again and again by the profound spiritual insights and resilience that have surfaced in our meetings, and I've often thought that these incredible nuggets of truth should not be for my ears alone, but instead should be offered to the world. Now I know that cancer patients often hear that they are an inspiration. They're so brave and so strong. And for most patients, this is the last thing they wanna hear as they're crawling into bed exhausted after just a walk around the block. But I also know that you do not need to be a published best-selling author You do not need an alphabet of degrees after your name. You do not need a fancy job title or a million followers on Instagram to have a profound, unique, and important perspective on life and how to survive and even how to thrive in the midst of it all. The patients, caregivers, and clinicians that you will hear from have been through it all, supported it all, and seen it all. The stories, interviews, and voices you will hear in this podcast will change you. They've changed me, and I have watched as they've changed others. So get ready to laugh, cry, and be moved to a deeper place. Get ready to find a way forward. Welcome to In the Midst of It All. I met our next guest, Lindsay Eno, in the throes of the pandemic. During those quarantine years, we met over the phone. So I got the chance to learn Lindsay's soft, beautiful, meditative voice well. For years, Lindsay has gone through the worst that cancer has to offer. And yet, in the midst of hospitalizations and harsh side effects from the treatments, She has still figured out how to create memories with her kids and husband on long summer days, go for runs when she was up for it, care for her father and visit her sister across the country, bake and host holiday parties for all her many friends, and last but not least, earn a degree in social work and start a new career as a high school guidance counselor. And she's done all of this in this incredibly calm and peaceful way, never wavering from her sense of purpose and mission. Lindsay attends a congregational church and has a deep, unwavering faith. Oh my gosh, it is sheer joy to welcome Lindsay onto the podcast today. I know you will gain so much by listening to her quiet determination and loving, generous heart. Lindsay, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you so much, Jane, for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Yeah, I'm so glad we were able to do this. 
So I thought that um, the way we could start is just by letting our listeners know a little bit more about who you are, your family, um, and even your job before cancer. Absolutely. So as you heard in my story, I have two little kids. Uh, I have Isaiah, who is seven, and I have Jack, who is nine. And they are the love of my life. They are the reason why I still f- am fighting eight years later. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's been it's been quite a journey uh, these past eight years. And in a lot of ways, I like to say that, that cancer has really been a gift. Mm-hmm. Um, hard for me to imagine what my life was like before cancer. Mm. And it was not nearly as fulfilling as it is now. I, mm. I felt lost and just unfulfilled in many ways, especially in terms of my career. I was very mm-hmm. unhappy working in the IT profession. And mm-hmm. when I got diagnosed, I realized, you know, if I'm not going to be here very much longer, what, what am I waiting for? You know, I've always... Um, loved the field of education. I've thoroughly enjoyed working with kids and I just stumbled upon the field of school counseling and it's really been a true passion of mine. Mm. And it's been a driver in my life for many years. And Mm. it took, it took a lot of determination to get my degree. It took me four years Mm, long years to get that degree. And Mm. I questioned myself and my ability over those four years as to whether or not Mm. I could finish this degree and whether or not I would get a job. You know, and that's one thing I I want our listeners to know as a stage four patient, it can be very unnerving going into the workforce. Mm. And, And how do you have those conversations with your employers about your you know, your health status, and it, it can be very unnerving and nobody really kind of prepares you for that. And I've been yeah. very lost working at the high school that I work at, Killing the High School, and they've been incredibly supportive oh, and that's so good. understanding through this whole process. And I've been very blessed and I have no regrets about changing careers, despite how difficult it was to get where I am today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you, you changed careers. Um, for those listeners who haven't heard your story, I so commend it. If you haven't heard Lindsay's story, please go to, um, her podcast episode where she reads her story. But if you haven't, um, you know, just to update our listeners that you, you changed careers in the midst of cancer treatments. We're doing, um, you know, your classes remotely from a hospital bed at times, um, and, and as you kind of introduced yourself here today, you talked about how life before cancer was sort of, um, not, not as fulfilling in some ways. Um, and that cancer, um, sort of gave you the, the sort of impetus to change and to sort of follow your dream really. And what you really feel called to do. And so many, I hear that from so many patients that, I have one patient who even said, you know, cancer is like the best thing that happened to me because it really helped me refocus. Um, Can you say a little bit more about that? Because I think a lot of people think, oh man, if I got cancer, like I'd just be lying around and, you know, life would be the worst ever. Um, Can you say a little bit more about how 
cancer isn't just, I mean, it is that it isn't just the worst thing ever. Like that, how did it sort of help you in ways and reshape your perspective and motivations? No, absolutely. You know, when I was diagnosed initially, you know, when my little guy Isaiah was two weeks old, I'll be honest, it was devastating and Mm. where, where to go with my life. And I was in a place in my life where my, my job was unfulfilling and I, I didn't really know where to go. And knowing I had this diagnosis, I, I said, what am I waiting for? I don't know how much longer I have here. I don't, I don't want to waste any more time. It was really, it kind of drove me to do all the things that I had been thinking about before I had cancer. Hmm. But really just didn't have the impetus to do until I got that actual diagnosis, which I know seems a bit backwards, hmm. but it really drove me to do the things that I have always been passionate about, but really didn't have the motivation to do until I got diagnosed. And in a lot of ways, hmm. getting diagnosed with cancer, it, it allowed me to open myself up to family and to friends and, and to God, honestly, um, as, as Jane was saying, if you haven't read my story, um, I grew up Catholic and didn't have a a very good experience in the church, unfortunately. And you met my husband who really brought me back into the church and, and into my faith. And as I got diagnosed with cancer, that faith grew even stronger and, it really helped me feel more fulfilled in my faith and in my trust in God that I knew that no matter how bad things would get, that he would always be there. And in my story, I talk about he is the light in my darkness and he continues to be the light in my darkness. And it's been, I use that as a way to help keep me grounded on the days where, you know, life is really difficult. And I, I want to continue to live every day as it could potentially be my last day. And I know as a cancer, you're going to have good days and you will have bad days, but know that each day is, is a gift and to live that day to the absolute fullest, because you don't know when that last day is coming. I really, as, as a mom of two kids, I really want my kids to remember their mom as being somebody who was driven and hmm. involved in the community and was surrounded by love and really was doing the things that she wanted to do and, yeah. and that she was determined to live the best possible life she could given the circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you actually experienced a lot of change, not just in your career, but it sounds like even with your friends and your family and your faith, um, after getting cancer, that this really did reshape your perspective on life. I think we can put so much on the back burner and kind of think about other priorities like, oh man, well, this, this job gives me a lot of money or I really don't have time for, for going out with friends or whatever it is. Um, but it sounds like 
the cancer sort of shifted all of those priorities for you in a way. Does that sound right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It really helped me figure out who I want to have in my life. Again, when you're diagnosed with cancer, you don't know how much longer you're going to be here. And I want the one thing I wanted to do is to fill my life with people that are truly meaningful and have an an impact on my life, not just on me, but on my on my friends. And having gone through this journey for eight years, I've really become incredibly close to some amazing friends and, and family members that have continued to show up every single day for eight years. Hmm. It's one wow. thing when you first get diagnosed and you know a lot of people want to help you. They want to be involved, but you know, there is some sort of, I guess you'd call it cancer fatigue where people get burned out, continuing yeah. to bring you meals and continuing to listen to your story and take you to appointments. But I've been very blessed that I have a very great group of friends who continue to show up every single day. And wow, I'm very grateful for that because, you know, I, I wouldn't be able to survive eight years without them, honestly. And yeah. That, well, I think it, it speaks to you too, Lindsay, like how you're just a very generous spirit. Like you just are very loving and open. Um, I am sure your friends feel so blessed when they're with you, um, for sure. And, you know, I mean, we were talking before too about how um, I always hear people kind of say, um, you know, I've caregivers or even just like friends in the community, hey, I, I know someone who's got cancer, they were just diagnosed, um, or I know someone who has cancer and it's advanced. What do I say? What do I do? I don't, I don't know how to react. And then I've heard patients even say, like, gosh, I spend, I spend a lot of time sort of managing people and how they react and, um. I feel like you just have this really a beautiful approach to your friends and family um and and they're really drawn to you and 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 then you also just have like really beautiful souls around you. So I wonder if you could share with us a little bit more about sort of like things that maybe you've done to help build that community and then um what have your friends done? Like what have they said? What have they done that's been really helpful? Mhm. Mm you know, the, the phrase that often gets thrown out when people look at me, um, you know, when people think of stage four cancer, I, I think people automatically assume someone who is very ill, has no hair, very thin, frail, and is, is barely living life. And you know, one thing I, I, I try and do as someone living with stage four cancer is to show that there are people living out there with stage four cancer that are living a normal life. And, mm -hmm. and what I try and do every single day is to put a normal face to cancer. Does that mean mm -hmm. that I have, I don't have bad days? Absolutely not. Um, but one thing I try and do is, is live a normal life as possible, both with my friends, both with my, my families. Um, I, you know, I, I don't want to speak for my friends, but oftentimes I, people are afraid to hug me. People are afraid mm -hmm. to ask me questions. And, yeah. you know, I think they're just, they're just, they're scared. And I understand why people would feel that way. 
but know that at the end of the day, I'm just a human being and it's Mm -hmm. okay to give me a hug. It's okay if you want to cry in front of me and you are upset and you're sad and you're angry, that those are all normal emotions that as my friend and as my family member, I would expect you to be feeling and I'm feeling the same exact way. Mm-hmm. And I think just letting them know that they can feel however they want to feel. I have this conversation with my kids all mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. You can be angry, you can be sad, yeah. you can be upset, and it's okay to feel that way. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I feel those those same exact emotions, and um, yeah. And having those friends in my life, allowing me to be who I truly am has really allowed me to continue every single day. They accept me for who I am. They allow me to be vulnerable. And, you know, Jane, going back to your question, you know, what can people, people ask? Oftentimes yeah. it has nothing to do with the words. Mm-hmm. About holding my hand or giving mm-hmm. me a hug because people assume that we're very fragile as cancer patients and we miss the human touch mm-hmm. that can't be emphasized enough, uh, especially in our darkest days. We, we just want somebody to hold us. We want somebody to hold our hand, to give us a hug. And, and we really welcome that and accept that. And as somebody mm-hmm. who might be afraid to ask or to not know what to say, sometimes saying nothing is okay. Yeah, is exactly what we need. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Holding that space and just being present. We so often want to fill the air, I think, um, especially when emotions are running high. And I think that can't be sort of said enough that just being present and listening and holding that space with people is like the best thing. And I know your friends too have been really good about like um, sort of balancing like talking about cancer versus not talking about cancer. You know, there's like times where I hear people say, I don't want to talk about cancer all day long. And then there's times where I hear other people say, um, I'm I'm so annoyed nobody's ever checked in with me. Um, and I feel like you have that good balance. Like pe- your friends will some, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like some of your friends will be like, you know, do you want to talk about it now or not? Um, is that right? No, absolutely. They, they give me that space. I, I, they can tell when I want to talk about it and when I don't want to talk about it. And they're very respectful and will ask me, Lindsay, do you, is something bothering me? Do you, do you want to talk about it? And I'll be very honest. I'll say, no, I really, I can't talk about it today. I just, I want to hear about someone else's life. Um, they give yeah. me that space to you know, allow myself to either, you know, be totally open and transparent in that moment or to kind of step away and allow somebody else to open up and, and tell me their life story. Because, mm-hmm. you know, the thing to remember about friendship is, I know it sounds very cliche, but it's a two-way street. You know, it's not just all about me. You know, I mean, having cancer is a very big deal, but it doesn't, it doesn't mean that a good friend of mine might not be going through something Mm. equally traumatic in their life. And I don't want them to forget that I am their friend as well. Mm -hmm. And I can be there for them during 
turbulent times and through traumatic times. And I want to be there for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. That's important in friendship. It is. It is. Yeah. I think that's so, such a good thing to share too, that in a way it's sort of, it, people want to protect the person who has cancer by not sharing. Um, but it kind of takes away your role in their, in the friendship, you know, as someone who can help and be a good listener and um, deprives people of that chance of being able to help. And so I think that's, yeah, that's a really good thing to share that, you know, it's, it's okay to share your, your stuff that's going on in your life too. I think so long as like, sometimes if it's not all the time, right. <laughs> There's the mutuality in friendship and in any relationship. And yeah. I, on some level, it helps me feel normal mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. they're able to share things that they're struggling with and I can help them as a friend. It really helps me feel like a normal person. Yeah. It helps yeah. as a good distraction from, you know, my daily life struggles. Right. Right. And that's the reason I went into the helping profession is I am so passionate about helping people. Mm-hmm. I really love helping people. It makes my heart very happy. And as someone's friend, I want to be able to help them as much as possible, despite what I might be going through. And I really try and make that, you know, as clear as possible to all my friends and my family members, because they have their own struggles. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And I want them to know that I'm there as much as they are for me. And Mm -hmm. That I will always be there for them, despite what I might be going through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're you're so good at what you do. Um, you know, with the kids and helping them find their passion and their their what they want to do in life, their career. Um, I know too that there were times where you felt in your studies, and even as you were going through kind of, um, interviewing. And as you talked about, like, how do you, how do you interview for a job with stage four cancer? There were times where you, you weren't sure you'd be able to do this job that you work so hard on. Um, can you share a little bit more about that? It's been hard. There's been days where I have absolutely doubted myself if I could do this. And, but then I think about, a student that walks into my office that is having a bad day and turns out, you know, is really having a bad day. And I, and I was able to save that student's life. And if I had not been there that day, she may not have been there another day. And to think that I'm able to touch a student's life in that way is what keeps me going every day, even on the days where mm-hmm. I'm doubting myself and whether or not I can continue this job. Mm-hmm. I think if I can just touch one student's life, then mm-hmm. I have done my job. Yeah. And, and that's honestly what keeps me going every single day, even as I have stepped away from my job currently. Um, mm. It was a very difficult decision to do that, to take a medical yeah. leave from my job, but I had to really think about it um, as from a counseling perspective and in the sense that I was, it was a disservice to my students and their parents not being there consistently and not being able to give 200% because when I go to work every day, I want to give 200% of myself. I don't want to be half myself. 
And Mm -hmm. it was not an easy decision to make to step away from this job that I love so desperately, but I did it because it was the best decision for my students and their families. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You're always thinking about others, right? And the impact on, on others and how they're doing with everything. I wonder if you would feel comfortable sharing a little bit more about where you are um, with your cancer right now. Sure. It's, I'll be honest, I, I would say the past six months have probably been the hardest six months in my entire journey. Mm-hmm. Um, I've reached a, a point where I have almost run out of options in terms of mm-hmm. treatment. And yeah, you know, that in and of itself can be very disheartening. And it can be really hard to keep going every single day. But mm-hmm. if there's one thing that I am, it's it's determined, it's stubborn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and even when things are really hard, I, I keep going and I keep fighting because yeah. I love my kids. There's nothing more than I love in this world than my kids and my husband and friends and family. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, things are are kind of bleak right now in terms of my health, but I'm going to continue to keep going every single day and keep fighting as long as I possibly can until, until my time has come to, to go back home and be with God. But until then Mm -hmm. I'm going to keep fighting. Keep going. Yeah. Yeah. And you've um, talked to about sort of like the image that a lot of people have of cancer um, is sort of like, the pink ribbons and rah, 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 you're, you're so brave and all of this. Um, but we don't often get a window into, um, the daily hardship and the tears, um, and the wounds and what it, what it really does is, is actually pretty hidden. We don't really talk about it a lot. Do you want to share a little bit more about that? Your thoughts on that? Absolutely. I mean, as a patient who has been struggling with cancer for eight years, there's a whole side that people just don't talk about. They don't talk Mm -hmm. about the tears every day. They don't talk about the insufferable pain and suffering every day that we live through and the days where we don't feel like we can continue. And it's hard because we feel like we have to hide that part of ourselves. And I'll be honest, I I feel that way about myself. I feel like I have to hide that part of myself, Mm -hmm. even with my closest friends and family. It's incredibly hard to be vulnerable in front of people and to allow Mm -hmm. people to see that, that side of you, because like you were saying, Mm -hmm. Jane, I mean, cancer is all about prevention and pink ribbons and, all these fundraisers, but what people forget is that there is an ugly side to cancer. Mm-hmm. And it's it's part of living with cancer every day. And I wish people would talk more about that. Yeah. And understand that we do have bad days, even though we might mm-hmm. appear to be doing okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Days, we could be having a very bad day and and to know that we still need support through those darkest days mm-hmm. to know that it's okay to not be okay. Mm-hmm. And that's something I even tell my own students. It's okay to not be okay. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And on those not be okay days, you know, you talk so much about your faith too. Do you find that that's really what helps you through those days that are just not okay? They're just not. No, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I pray every single night um, to God. I, I think yeah. him allowing me to live another day, even if it was a painful day, but it was another day I got to spend with my kids. But, you know, I, I'm constantly questioning, um, you know, what did I, what did I do wrong? Did I do something wrong to kind of deserve this? I'm sure other Christians feel that way. Um, yeah, you know, absolutely. I hear that all the time, all the time. And I yeah. have to be okay with the fact that I didn't do anything, yeah, anything wrong. And it it doesn't mean that God loves me any less. Mm-hmm. And his his love and his light that I refer to in my story is is something that I hold on to every single day because there are days where my prayers are filled with tears and I know he's listening. Mm-hmm. I, I feel that he's listening and I know that he's always there. And that in and of itself is incredibly comforting. Yeah. So even when I'm at my ugliest, that he is always there. He's always listening. Yeah. 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 Do you, I, you know, I said it as we were beginning the interview that you have unwavering faith. And so many patients I talk to, too, sort of say, I have faith, but I feel like I don't, I'm not sure. I'm not certain about it. Um, how do you, how do you, I feel like your faith is so certain, so sure. How do you, how did you come to that? Like, were there experiences you had or? That's a great question. Um, yeah. give you, an example. you know, I'm having a bad day. I'm in just insufferable pain and, mm-hmm. and I just don't even know how I will get through the day. And then the next day I have a friend that stops by and she brings me food and she gives mm-hmm. me hugs and she surrounds me by love. And I know that that's God's will and that's yeah. God's that he knows what I need in that moment is to be surrounded mm-hmm. by love and support. And that's happened on multiple occasions on my darkest days where I don't feel like I can keep on living. Mm, Yeah. I'm immediately surrounded by my community and my friends and my family who, who show up um, on those days when I need them the most. And I know that that's not random. I know that that is God's Mm. will. And I know that that's, that's God's way of, of showing his unwavering love to me as, you know, as God's child. And, mm-hmm. and for, and he continues to do that every single day. I mean, his, yeah. his love manifests in so many different ways. It can be through friends showing up with food. It can be through mm-hmm. prayers at church. It can be, mm-hmm. um, through telling him that I can't handle any more pain. And suddenly the next day I f- I'm having a really good day. Mm, yeah. I know that those are all connected and those are all coming directly from God's love and him hearing what I need in that moment. Mm-hmm. And for that, I am, I am grateful. And that's why I pray every night and tell him, thank you for everything that he gives me, even on the days that are really difficult. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. See so you, I mean, you really see God all around you and mm-hmm. it's incredible and have that, that gratitude and that sense that God is, is really shepherding you through this. Yeah. I yeah. do. I mean, I really feel like he has been with me through this whole journey mm. and he is what's got me through this journey eight long years. And I truly believe in the notion that God has a plan. I know he has a plan for me. And I think his plan for me right now is to continue to be there for my friends and for my family and mm-hmm. show people who may not be as unwavering in their support and love of God and know that he is truly wonderful and that Mm -hmm. I hope that I can show them and tell them that, that God is truly there, even if they may not feel it or may not see it, that he is listening. He is always listening and he is always there for us. Yeah. 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 And you've done, this, um, I mean, everything you're saying is so beautiful. I'm so struck by it. And I, I imagine our listeners are too. Um, Lindsay, you're so incredible. <laughs> I know you too. You also like went, had to go searching for a, a church sort of in the midst of cancer. And I know a lot of patients that kind of, um, for whatever reason, find themselves without a church. And then it's hard to kind of start to go looking when you're when you need a solid community, it's kind of hard to then find a new one. Um, but you were able to, and it's been such a support, hasn't it? It has. It's worth the effort. That's, that's God's working as well. Um, these yeah. past six months have been the hardest six months of my year journey. And mm-hmm. I I think it was God's, God's will that I found this church, uh, my church in Westbrook where I live. And has really brought a community into our life that has been incredibly supportive and loving and faithful in the hardest time in my life. And I just, again, it didn't happen spontaneously. I think that, again, that's just part of God's plan. And he knew exactly what I needed at this moment. And what I need is a, is a church community. And that's Another reason why I didn't give up looking for a church. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And you've, right, you didn't give up. It's that, that determination that you have. And that, that church is, um, it's the, is it a, the congregational church in Westbrook? If folks yeah. are looking for a church in that area. Pastor <laughs> yeah. Jeanette is fantastic and has been really the life of that church. Yeah. She really has brought yeah. life and love into that church. It's it's really been amazing to see. Yeah. That's awesome. That's so good. Yeah. And you know, um you also talked earlier about how you are fighting for your kids and um just the love and support of your husband um, and I think there are so many patients who are young moms like yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about balancing being a mom and a cancer patient, um, and kind of as, how you've made their lives as normal as possible and, 
just kind of who they are and your husband and how they've been able to manage? It's been hard. I mean, my, my little guy, Isaiah, has never known mommy without cancer. Yeah. And my yeah. older son, Jack, he was 22 months when I was diagnosed. So he really doesn't understand mm. without cancer. Yeah. And as their mom, it's been important for me to educate them on what it's like to live with cancer. And, you know, that mommy is going to have good days and she's going to have bad days, but no matter what happens, mommy's love is never going to waver at all. Mm-hmm. Even on my bad days, mommy's love will always be there. And, you know, I think it's just about finding that balance. And again, that's where I really lean on my community, both of friends mm-hmm. and family to help me be the best mom that I can be because I, I'm not able to be the best version of myself without my friends and family. Mm-hmm. They are truly the ones that are able to allow me to be a normal mom and to mm-hmm. go to all my kids' activities and to be a present parent. I can't do that without them. And it's yeah. really important. And it's also important for my kids to know um and to be as transparent with them. And, you know, it's not necessarily the right decision for everybody, but for our family, I try and be as open as possible with my kids about mommy having cancer and mm-hmm. how she will be in treatment indefinitely. And mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that I don't love you. It doesn't mean that I won't be there for you, but there's going to be days where mommy doesn't feel well and she has to get treatment, but that I, I love them and my love for them is the reason why I continue to fight every mm. single day. Yeah. But I think as a mom, it's it's very difficult for us to ask for help. Mm. Right? Yeah. That's true for moms, even without cancer. It is very difficult for us to ask for help. You know, there's this whole idea of being a super mom and yeah. the underlying expectation that we can do and have it all, but that's really not reality. In reality, I am asking my friends and family for help on a daily basis, Mm -hmm. especially my dear husband who has really been such a support for me through this whole process. I mean, he's been an incredible partner. He's been an incredible father to my kids and has Mm -hmm. really stepped up and allowed me to heal both physically and emotionally and spiritually through this whole process. And I, mm-hmm. and again, I, I see that as, as God's love. He brought him into my life for a reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He knew that I needed somebody that will be my partner through this whole process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You have such a beautiful family. <laughs> You have such a beautiful family. And I know, you know, with any, any family, there's always the ups and downs, but, um, oh my gosh, you guys have been there for each other and, um, the openness and just the support. It just really, um, it's so clear and it's so, it's so beautiful to see. Um, yeah. So gosh, Lindsay, there's so much we could talk about. I have so many questions in my mind that I could continue to ask you. You're just like a wealth of, um, wisdom and, um, and support, I think to anyone who's listening. Um, I wonder as we finish here, are they, do you have any sort of parting words or thoughts, reflections 
you'd like to share with anyone who's listening? I think for anybody that's listening, I think as somebody who is either, sorry, a caregiver or a friend of somebody with cancer, just being there and being as present as possible with somebody that you love is, is truly meaningful. And again, when I say being there for somebody, it could just mean showing up and giving them a hug and not even saying anything. Yeah. Maybe showing up with a meal Mm -hmm. because I know that that uncomfortableness in asking somebody with cancer how they're doing can be incredibly nerve wracking for people. Mm -hmm. So just know, just just show up and just give them a hug because that's what we need at the end of the day is we need human touch. Mm. And know that as someone living with cancer, that we, we can't do this journey without them mm-hmm. and continue to fight this fight every day without our friends, without our family. And for me, without the love of God and without you, Jane, you've been a huge pivotal point in this mm-hmm. whole experience. Again, God brought you into my life for a reason and mm-hmm. I am truly blessed and and as someone again living with cancer just remember all the blessings that we have every day and i know that that can be really difficult but i as someone living with with cancer that's probably the one parting thing i can give to somebody else struggling with cancer is is to remember just how incredibly blessed we are every day mm-hmm. yeah yeah Oh, Lindsay. Well, thank you so, so much for taking the time to be with us today. Um, It's really been such a blessing for me and I am sure it's been so helpful for people listening. Um, I'm just so thankful that you've taken the time to, to share with us today and be with us today. Jane, thank you so much for having me today. This has been an incredibly fun and enlightening and honestly a fulfilling process for me and I really can't thank you enough yeah it's always good to chat always good (laughs) when we could talk all day (laughs) oh absolutely definitely yeah thanks so much Lindsay thank you so much Jane and have a great rest of your day you too you too This episode of In the Midst of It All was made possible by the generous support of the Yale Cancer Center, Yale New Haven Hospital, the Yale Palliative Care Program, and the Yale New Haven Department of Spiritual Care. Huge gratitude for Rodney Staggers, a man with cerebral palsy who helped birth this idea and has been a huge creative motivator. Thank you to Ellen Hoverkamp, an artist with metastatic lung cancer, who created the artwork for our podcast. You can find her artwork at myneighborsgarden.com. A big shout out to Emily Montemerlo, who, among other things, helps edit the stories you have heard and who just is a lovely support in every way. And Ryan McAvoy, who helps record and edit the podcast. 
If you enjoyed this podcast, please hit that subscribe button and tell your friends. It would mean so much to us and to all our podcast guests if you would leave it a review in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We would love to hear how this podcast has helped you. Okay, friends, we will post our next story and interview soon. But in the meantime, check out more stories on the Yale New Haven Hospital Yale Cancer Center website. This is In the Midst of It All with me, Chaplain Jane.